Welcome to the Customer Connection Podcast, a roundtable discussion in which ServiceNow customers, partners, and professional implementers share lessons learned, tools, techniques, and procedures utilized to guide ServiceNow customers through feature adoption and platform implementation. Led by Director of Customer Service Workflows, Jerry Campbell, and co-host by Principal Portfolio Manager, Gareth Millwood. This team will sit down with ServiceNow professionals as they share expert insights for achieving digital transformation and speed to market business value for their ServiceNow platform. This is your customer connection. Good morning, good afternoon, and good day, wherever you are. Thanks for listening in to the customer connection where we help you get your ServiceNow projects going in the right direction fast. I am Jerry Campbell, the Director of Customer and Industry Workflows Leading Practices, along with my esteemed portfolio manager, Shana Greer. And today, we have the honor of talking to my former colleague and friend, Matt Wilson. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jerry. We're hoping you're having a good morning, afternoon for all the listeners out there. Um, and I'm honored to be here. Yeah. And again, like I said, Matt and I go back to our 7-Eleven days. And so we were colleagues at 7-Eleven, but Matt is now a ServiceNow customer. And just for a little bit, I want Matt just to tell me a little bit about himself and how he came to be in his ServiceNow journey. So Matt, can you just give us a little bit of yourself, uh, your bio? Yes, uh, professional bio. So it all started back as a small child in Chicago, Illinois. I started my career off with an engineering degree that I never used, but that has really helped me gain this analytical mindset. And I took that analytical mindset and I went to the military with it. And uh, spent about six years in the military four combat deployments and uh, eventually got to the point where I said, man, I'd love to rejoin the lives of my family and friends again because it's an intense, grueling pace. And so I did do that. And I went into corporate America, found myself in a operational leadership role in manufacturing concrete products of all things, a dirty industry that just felt right after getting out of the army. It was a perfect fit. And then um, I saw some of my leaders and I looked at their bios and I said, man, I probably need to get better acquainted with business. I was doing financial planning and analysis for capital expenditure projects in manufacturing, and then I'm leading manufacturing sites, and I didn't have the business knowledge. I was an engineer, I was in the military, didn't have the business, and so I was afforded the opportunity to go to Northwestern, go back to school, get a business degree as well, and I took that into uh, private equity, actually, and I ran a small portfolio company for a private equity-backed business here in Texas. And that's what actually brought me to Texas. Probably one of the best uh, experiences I was able to have because it gave me the software background and the understanding of how things work and how to talk to developers. And it really grew my business acumen, which I then, of course, found an opportunity with 7-Eleven. And that's where my CX journey began. And from there, I got to meet you, sir. Yes, sir. Maybe we'll get into that. I spent a couple of years doing some really amazing things both with ServiceNow and with some of the customer experience platforms that we utilize at 7-Eleven for your audience. You and I, Jerry, kind of came up with some really, really cool new things to do and integrate these different platforms to the point where Jerry's being brought in on case studies. I'm asked to come in and do a podcast. 
because we we're doing new things and these new things are helping the business. It's adding value to the business. And I think that's where all my personal love for CX really grew was with you as my peer and partner under Michelle Brigman's leadership. I know maybe not everybody in the world knows Michelle Brigman. She's just an excellent CX leader. From there, I found an opportunity to build a customer experience program for a business. And it was just too good of an opportunity to pass up for me because I consider myself to be a builder. And I came here and I'm two years into building the practice here at this business. And it's been amazing. And of course, we've implemented ServiceNow, which uh, gave me my ticket to come see you, Jerry. But more importantly, I get to see Shana. That's who I'm really here for. There you go. There you go. Shana always draws a crowd. She's the one. But yeah, it's very interesting that, and again, Matt and I, we, I say we grew up together in this customer service kind of customer experience world, and we had the esteemed pleasure of being guided by Michelle Brigman. And I always tell people I did 30 years in the military, and I had a lot of supreme leaders, great leaders, but Michelle is absolutely fabulous. She's an absolute wonder, and we'll have her on the show one day. And uh, she's a great mentor. So, Shana, I will send you over to her as a mentor as well. Oh, please do. Quick question. What made her a great yeah. leader? Three traits. Oh. I would say I get, I'll, I get the start. Go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. Because the third one's always the hardest one to think of, right? So I'm going to go. I'll go first. So for me, what was special about Michelle is that it was about culture for her. And it was about people and culture. She may not have been like an expert in the technology or the finance or, or other parts of the things that kind of we had to get into as a team. She was exceptional at customer experience and exceptional at people and culture. That's what made her, that's what made her special. Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say something similar, right? But I think not only was she good at that culture, but she empowered us to do things, right? She really let us go. When I came in the 7-Eleven, she was like, Jerry, you can't even mess this up, so just go and do what you do, right? And, and then that just, I mean, that right, what along with the people and culture, that really, uh, just really intensified our team and made it stronger. And Matt, you wanna go for the third one? Or I can get you. No, I'm just going to double click on empowering subordinate leaders. I think that that's something that we learn in the military, right, Jerry? Yes. And that is a culture that we appreciate as military veterans. And Michelle, although she's not a military veteran herself, that was her leadership style. And I agree with you. I actually like your number two point better than my number one point because she did. She empowered us to do what we could do. And she was there to keep us between the navigational beacons. But uh, we got kind of free launch to go and try and add value to the business in whatever way made the most sense. And she was there to help guide us along the way. That was, that was your number two point was money. Yeah. And then the third one, I think Matt is along with the culture. She was one that really preached diversity, right? She re and that and I, we, we get together from time to time. We were talking about this. We had the most diverse team in Seven Eleven. You think, and I often joke about this when I, was talking to my part of the team, I was like, you know what I need on this team is I need a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was the token white guy for Jerry. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> we need a white guy, but it is great. We had a really diverse team and that all came down from yeah. Michelle. I just can't say enough about Michelle and she's going to hear it. In yeah. I think that's why I'm continuing my journey in CX. I knew it was the right fit you know, as an operational person and as a business person, being able to connect 
the needs of the business with the data and the value we bring in the CX world, there was a natural fit there. But um, I'm a person in my career who has always taken the next best. That what opportunity comes my way, I want to take it. I say yes. And this is the first time where I started to really focus on a functional area. Because as you know, military, operational, private equity, finance, I, I take the opportunities, but I really found a home here. And I think Michelle was a big part of that. Can I tell my quick Jerry and Michelle Matt story? Oh yeah, definitely. You have to, you have to. Okay. So when I first got to 7-Eleven, I was in charge of customer insights, analytics, and listening to voice of the customer. Jerry was in charge of customer service and he had just implemented ServiceNow. I think the week I got there, you had implemented ServiceNow. So I got to be there for some of the growing pains that naturally occur with any digital implementation. And it took me, I think a month or two months to really start to get to know Jerry. And uh, I started talking to him. I swear it was like two months before I realized that he was actually in the military as well, which got me excited. Then he told me he's in the Air Force. So I was kind of like, okay, well, he was in the Air Force, but you know, at least he was in the military. And then I asked him, hey, what'd you do? He's like, I was a JTAC, probably thinking that I would have no idea what that was. I knew exactly what that was because I was in Ranger Regiment and we had a JTAC unit attached to us. And am I allowed to say that, Jerry? Yeah, you can. You can. Absolutely. I think I can. Yeah. And so I knew exactly what Jerry did. And I realized that Jerry is an absolute legend. And most people don't know that. In fact, Shana, you probably don't even know that. He might have some of his military gear in the background there. But I will tell you, he is an absolute legend. When I told him... Yeah, I know exactly what you did. I worked in this unit. He's like, oh, yeah, I supported your unit. And then I found out he actually ran. He ran that JTAC unit himself. He wasn't just a member. He wasn't just a contributor. He ran it. I missed Jerry. I think we figured out by a year or two at Fort Benning. But when I found all of this out, I walked into Michelle's office and I closed the door and I said, Michelle, I think I fell in love with Jerry. Thank you for bringing me here to 7-Eleven. I love and, that. And we did some great things for about a year and a half together. We did. Absolutely great things. So, yeah. well, awesome, awesome. Let's get this thing kicked off, right? And so we're going to have some more icebreaker questions for you here in a second. But first, I want to run down the rules of engagement for the show, right? We here at Customer Connection like to keep our language very plain, open, and simple. What that means is we don't like to use acronyms. And military, we use acronyms. And I can tell you, ServiceNow inside. I just said JTAC. Oh, I know. Oh, you, you can break that. Well, you know, that's already that's that's a donation. And yeah. you break that down at the end of the show. I'll let you break it down at the end of the show because we'll have a recount no, of you breaking acronyms <laughs> that we had. But we're good with that. As you said, we have the jargon jar, and that's a donation. So. With that, you're good with those thumbs up with that? I'm good. I'm good with those rules, Jerry. I've been listening to a lot of your podcasts. I knew the rules. I actually tried very hard at the beginning of this to not do any acronyms. And then you got me going and I tripped up. I tripped up already. It's so easy when we get comfortable in our space and we just talk, right? And this is what really. Absolutely. This is what customer connection. This is what we like to do is be free flowing and just connect. So. Let's get into some iceberger questions. And you started already. I wanted to ask you, where did you grow up and how did that affect what you've become? I'll still talk through that. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, the western suburbs of Chicago, in this tiny little town called Winfield next to these really big towns called Wheaton and Naperville and West Chicago. And 
where I grew up, it was kind of quintessential middle America, I would call it. But I think that in my growing up, what was somewhat unique for me is I had a mother who was a database engineer. So she worked for IBM for a long time. And I kind of watched her go through the grind of what would be considered a pretty white collar sort of existence in corporate America. And then on the flip side of that, I had my father who was a union carpenter in Chicago and saw his work ethic and the things that he went through his entire career. And I feel like I got a little dose of both, right? The white collar corporate grind and that blue collar work ethic. And I like to think that I've tried to find the balance and bring the attributes that I saw in my parents to my own career, at least as best I can. But I think those are the things that have helped not just where I grew up, but how I grew up inform who I've become. Yeah, that's really powerful too, to see the two cultures blend into what made you. Yeah. Right, Matt? So let's move yeah. on. So what makes you passionate and gets you motivated about life, about work? What are the things that make you passionate and get you motivated? I tend to lean on my wife to tell me what I should be passionate about in my personal life. So that's trick number one. <laughs> you guys can't see. Shada just gave me the wide eyes. Uh-oh. Shada just told me I got in trouble. Look, I, I'll be, oh yeah, she's shaking her head. Yeah, no, I mean, here's the reality. What gets me motivated, honest to God, in my personal life is my family. And I've got two little girls. I've got a wonderful wife. And that's really like my entire existence outside of work is all about them and trying to not just keep them happy, but raise them well. And that's where my passion is right now. I've got a one and a three-year-old. So you might have some listeners who have older children. They're probably in a different chapter. I'm in this chapter where you've got to be all in. They want your full attention. And so that's where I'm trying to exist. And so that's what gets me motivated. On the business side and on the professional side, in my career today, two things really get me motivated. Number one is being able to be in a position to build something great for a company. And inside of this space, there's just so many tailwinds to this CX industry, but finding these opportunities to optimize and just add value to businesses through customer experience, whether that's a listening program, a customer analytics program, which kind of dives into the marketing side of the business, or it's your customer service program, all these things getting the opportunity to build them and bring technology and bring in new culture. Those are the things that really get me going. That's my number one. And my number two is I'm at this point in my career where I'm getting to coach, teach, and mentor people. And getting to do that at my level is something that I'm passionate about too, because I sincerely do love being able to bestow some knowledge on people. And I always tell them, my way doesn't mean it's the right way, but I will coach you up on my way. And I think everybody should do what I've done in my career, which is take the best things that you find from the people that are leading you and try and apply them to your own leadership style. And then the things that don't apply or you didn't like, try really hard not to get sucked into those habits or those behaviors if you can. And try and take the good and just keep building yourself to be the best leader you can. Those are my two things. Yeah, those are great, right? It's always so awesome when you can mentor and lead people and you see them become successful, right? So those are great motivators for me. Yeah. You know? So the last thing I'm going to ask you is you talk about the corporate world and the corporate grind. What keeps you up? In oh, that's a good question. I think that the things that keep my brain moving is thinking about how I can effectively, and that's the key word, effectively partner 
with other business leaders in my own organization. Because when you're trying to build something, you have got to get the buy-in of the people around you. Uh, one of the lessons I learned from another leader at 7-Eleven is to try and make sure that when you walk in the room with a business proposal, it's not the first time that everybody in that room has heard that business proposal. They should know what you're coming in to talk about. You should have already socialized it with them. And you should all already have generally gained acceptance of what you're bringing into the room. And so I think those are the things that I'm thinking about most often. And how am I going to work with my IT team, with the operations team, our logistics team, to be able to effectively bring not just automated workflows, which is the service now world, but just bring customer experience to them and try and make sure the customer experience is a deeply rooted part of the culture here. Yeah, that's so great. Man, I'm taking notes because that one, going into the room, and having them aware of what you're going in there. It shouldn't be a surprise, right? That, yeah. Awesome. That's awesome, Matt. Yeah. Great stuff there. All right, let's really get into this now. And we're going to talk about- All right. You know, gloves off. <laughs> we're taking everything. Gloves <laughs> off. And we're going to get into this, right? So you implemented ServiceNow. So what ServiceNow products did you implement? And what were the business problems or objectives you were trying to solve when you implemented the ServiceNow platform? So we implemented both ITSM and CSM from ServiceNow. ITSM is IT service management and CSM is customer service management modules of ServiceNow. See that? Avoided the jargon jar. <laughs> and I, I was the business leader for the CSM customer service management implementation. I will continue to use CSM acronym going forward. Again. The business problem that we were trying to solve here was trying to understand, get the data behind what the customers were saying. Uh, we did not have a sophisticated customer service management system here. And maybe some of the listeners out there might understand this in their own businesses, but we were using shared inboxes. We were using a telephony system. I call it a dumb telephony system because you don't know who's calling you don't know why they're calling. Your customer service agents are picking up the phone with no idea what they're about to get themselves into. And we had to bring, number one, this brought a better employee experience because we were able to design with ServiceNow workflows that helped automate what they did. They made things easier for the customer service agent. We brought in a telephony system that made it so that when you picked up the phone, you know who's on the other end of the phone. At least seven out of 10 times you do anyway. And worst case, you at least know that you're the right person to pick up the phone because whatever the issue is on the other side of the line, even if I don't know who that is, I'm going to know that it's within my wheelhouse of skills yeah. when I pick that phone up. So we wanted to improve employee experience. And by improving employee experience, you improve customer experience always. But for the business, if you can automate enough workflows, you can start to look at your expenses and find ways to reduce expenses as well. There's a business application to this also. But really, I think that's it. We we're trying to shed light on all of the reasons and bring in all the data to help us make better business decisions about what the customers are saying. And so ServiceNow has done that for us. So we now understand and we categorize and catalog all the reasons that people are reaching out to us. And then we're using that to figure out where should we take the resources of our business and focus them to improve the customer experience. So as an example, if 40% of them call and they say, hey, I want to ask, when are you going to get this product in so that I can purchase this product? 40% of people are calling about that. Now it's me going and talking to the executive leadership team to say, listen, 40% of people who call us 
or asking about this thing. It's a much easier conversation to have with your executive team than saying, hey, I think a lot of people are calling about this and we should do something about it. When I can say 40% of people are calling or emailing us about this one thing, let's fix it for the customer. Let's help them figure out how to self-service it, which ServiceNow is able to do as well. And maybe we can drive call volume down at the same time, excuse me, at the same time as we're able to relieve this customer friction point. So that's what we were trying to achieve, Jerry. We are trying to shed light on the dark corners of the customer experience for this company. Awesome. Data decision-driven making, right? Did I say that right? Data decision-driven making is always better than just our guesstimates, right? If you can prove and back it with data, it just helps your proposal even much more. I want to piggyback on your implementation. How did you accomplish your implementation and was it self-implementation with your own developers? Did you co-delivery with ServiceNow or partner implementator? Yeah, we did a bit of a hybrid, Shana. So what we did is we had a partner who helped us. I also had a counterpart on the IT side. He was familiar with ServiceNow from his previous experience and we didn't have developers necessarily. So we didn't do a lot of our own development, but having the partner do the developing, having me as the business leader for customer service management, and then having his expertise in having managed the ServiceNow platform in his previous roles, we were able to implement it in about, I'd say eight months in total. And it was really, frankly, it was very successful. And I don't want to cut off other questions you might have, but I will just say this. I think when you're looking at your partner network, and trying to figure out who is going to help us implement this technology. Some of the things that you should be thinking about are, is your IT team knowledgeable about ServiceNow? Because if they are, then they can compensate for the Ferrari of partners to implement because you've got some members on your team who have a lot of knowledge and you can get the folks, the Hondas and the Chevys out there who are really good at implementing ServiceNow partnered with the knowledge you have internally and you can have an incredibly successful outcome. But if you're one of those businesses who doesn't have that, then maybe you do need the Ferrari and there's nothing wrong with that. The other part of the partner selection that I think people need to also consider is how much of the expertise does the partnership have and how much do they plan to customize? Because I think if you know going into that, you're going to need a lot of custom work. You need to start to steer towards that Ferrari. And I'm using that as an analogy to what would be maybe more expensive, less value sort of partnership. And if you know you need a lot of customization, you need to invest. You need to invest heavily, not just in the platform, but in the partnership and it will pay off. But if you're a smaller business and you're just trying to kick things off and trying to get a customer service management platform up and running that you can build upon as the years go on, then maybe you are going to implement more of an out-of-the-box solution and you can pick your partnership based on that. So I'm lending a little insight I gained into our process, and hopefully there's some listeners out there who can that resonates with. That's good. That's good, Matt. So, sorry, I didn't mean to jump into no, the next. I, you know, I <laughs> you're so good. Yeah, a lot of information right. that I think Shana probably was going to follow up with you about the partner selection, but you really dove into that and securing that for words. But sorry, Shana. <laughs> Gray mice think alike. It's okay. There we go. There we go. So you kind of mentioned this, you know, at the beginning when you were trying to solve these problems and you talked about the 
and these other things. So what other tech stacks did you bring along, incorporate alongside ServiceNow, and how well did these systems integrate and getting to where you needed to be for your business? Yeah, I brought a bit of a playbook from my previous role, right? And with that came a telephony system that I knew very well, that I was very comfortable with. I knew could implement quickly, easily, kind of low effort and give us all of the value that we needed. And for us, that was 3C Logic. So we worked with 3C Logic, who is a partner with ServiceNow. And I had 3C Logic work directly with our partner implementation team as well, by the way. So they worked well together. That was part of the package. And I sometimes needed to remind them of that, that we're investing in a package deal here, mm-hmm. like the telephony implementation system, the, the ServiceNow implementation partner. And we also got Observe AI. So Observe AI is really a component of the 3C Logic solution. And we added that because Observe AI gave us so many really cool capabilities in terms of sentiment analysis, assistance with the thing that we actually use most often, at least today, because we implemented not that long ago and we have a long journey ahead of us. Uh, But one of the things that we used immediately was they had this scorecard capability that made it really easy for my senior manager to be able to work with his subordinate leaders to be able to quickly and accurately kind of score our phone calls, right? As in terms of a quality assurance check that almost all call centers have some form of this. Uh, Observe AI made that easy in partnership with 3C Logic. So I will shout out to 3C Logic because they really did. They made the process easy. We're very happy with the system and we're happy with where we ended up post go live. Thinking about your implementation, what were some of the significant key decision-making points necessary to realize success? Yeah, there were. Throughout the implementation, as you're setting up this platform, there's a lot of decisions you're making. And and some of the things I feel like this micro decision at the time turned out to be a macro decision because the decision you made in like week four comes back to haunt you in week 16 as you're uh, going through the implementation. So one, I think one of the big things that was critical for us is understanding and thinking through the data tables that we we're going to pass over from our ERP system, because we needed to make sure that we were future-proofing this to some degree and being able to get as much of the data tables into ServiceNow as possible upfront would be something that we knew we would leverage in the future. So we have data tables that are being pulled that we may not be using today, but I have a vision for using those in the future when we get there and when it's appropriate. But it's also how we are able to effectively configure the platform because depending on what somebody is contacting us about is means that the agents may need different information. And so as an example, in some of the categories that some of the calls or emails come in and there's a certain category that, that we take that case and we categorize it as I'll keep using the same example is I want to know when you're going to have this product in so I can purchase it. That's a category. But if you stop there, then you're going to lose a lot of really good, insightful information. So what we did is we bring in a data table that would include the assets that we have and the items that we have that we sell. And we don't want to just, we don't just want to know what item or we don't just want to know that they're calling in about when is an item going to be available for purchase. We also want to know what that item is so that if we know what the item is, we can start to look at how many people are calling and emailing us about that item. And we can start to prioritize that with our planning team. 
and our inventory team, can, we can start to help them with their forecasting. And that's the example I used to say, you could stop and just categorize the case. But if you think ahead and you know that you might need that item table from your ERP system, then when you get to that point in the implementation, you can say, ah, let's bring item in there. So now every time the agent categorizes this case as estimated time of arrival of an item, a new field will pop up in service now. And it says, what item? And you got to fill that out as an agent. So those are, I think I, for us, that was the thing. Future-proof the, future-proof the platform by bringing in as much data as you can and as your IT team will allow based on security and whatever business nuances you might have. Cool, cool. So as you think about your journey and this maturity journey of ServiceNow and the customer service management feature adoptions and all that stuff that you're going through, right? Where would you say you are right now in that journey and what would you like to see going forward in in the journey of this platform? Oh, Jerry, I mean, I feel like, see, there's different opinions around the business, right? But I feel like we're, I feel like we're at infancy. Yeah, we implemented a great system. Yes, it's working incredibly well. Yes, it's giving us the data we wanted to make better business decisions. It's doing all those things, but there's so much more that we can do with ServiceNow to improve and automate our workflows. And that's not, it's not limited to customer service management. ServiceNow is such a robust platform. It goes so far beyond just customer service. But I feel like we're in our infancy. In fact, I'll tell you a quick story. So we go through yeah, roughly eight-month implementation. We we go live. And we work through some of the normal bugs that you got to work through immediately after go live to get yourself on course. And everybody's celebrating on like day one, day two, everybody's celebrating. Hey, we did it, right? It's an eight month effort. Hey, we did it. This is awesome. This is working the way we intended. We got a couple bugs and I'm sitting there looking around. I'm like, you guys are acting like we just hit the finish line. We didn't hit the finish line. We just crossed the starting line. Right. We just got to the starting line. The marathon is ahead of us now. So that's my mentality. Uh, the marathon is still ahead of us. There's so much we're going to be able to do. And there's other customer experience platforms that I hope to integrate into ServiceNow to continue to add the most value to the business I possibly can. So um, we're in our infancy, Jerry. And if you ask me that in three years, three years, I'll probably say we're in our infancy, Jerry. That's great. And if you have any issues with your platform, talk to Shannon. She's my platform portfolio manager. <laughs> there we go. All right. Shannon out there right now. I'll give her some business. Always. Always. No, that's really good, right? Because I always tell people like, when we're doing implementations and they're like, we're going to cut the cake, right? And I'm like, yep. yeah, that's not the, what What happens after we cut the cake? That the real work starts. That's what happens. Right? Yeah. So yeah, that's so good. That's awesome. I love that. All right. We've coming down, running down to the end of the show here, but I'm going to have, I need to go back to the jargon jar. I want to ask, oh, I, I know. know, first, I'm going to ask you one. I'm going to let ask you the other one, right? So you did catch yourself with CSM and ITSM. I will give you a pass on those two. Great job. Thank you, sir. I, I did trip and catch myself. You're yes. right. So, but we go back to the very first one before we had the rules of engagement and we said JTAG. So can you tell our <laughs> listeners out there what a JTAG is? It is a, and Jerry... Give me the head nod here. Joint Tactical Air Controller. Terminal. But you're good. 
terminal. Terminal. Joint terminal. Air controller. Air. Air controller. All right. So what does that mean? And hopefully, I like to think that maybe there's some listeners who had already Googled this from the beginning. Right. That's the value in the jargon, Jerry. You might generate some interest. People might be Googling that term. Uh, so I'll give the layman terms. And, I, and Jerry, I'd love for you to, to give it as well. This was your profession for so long. But I call it the guy who is out there with the ground pounders who is authorized to drop bombs when we need to drop bombs because we're in a situation that is drastic and we need to execute some incredible firepower upon whatever the situation is that we might find ourselves in. Yeah, that's it. So that's a very layman term, but that's a good. You got a better definition. No, that's good, right? R- really, we bring any kind of firepower, like you said, to the enemy, and not only stressful situations, but the, the responsibility. And, and I, I took this seriously in my career. Is like my job was to protect the ground troops so they can execute their mission, right? And when if whenever yeah. I execute it, that means that all the all my compadres that are with me, the ground guys that are executing their mission came back safely and we didn't harm anyone, but we were executing our fires to stop friendly fires on our troops. You didn't harm the wrong people. We didn't harm the wrong people. There you go. Right. So, right. Santa, what? There's a, there's a saying, you know what's better, Gerald? There's a saying, I just saw this on a t-shirt somewhere. It was warheads on foreheads. Yes. That's what you do. That's what you yes. do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> warheads on foreheads. First of all, thank you both for your service. I needed to say that. My grandfather was also in the military. So thank oh, you. And Jerry never brags about himself. So it's really good to hear. I know he doesn't. He's a very humble guy. He's very humble. That's why I had the intention of coming in here and trying to get a little bit more out of Jerry. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And so your other jargon that you should shed uh-uh. light on is ERP system. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Enterprise resource planning. Our ERP system is our system of record, and it is the system that runs your day-to-day operations. That is the guts of any business is that enterprise resource planning system. So being the resource of record, what we're doing is we're really building service now on top of the ERP system, and we're bringing the data from the ERP system into ServiceNow. The longer-term vision is for my department to be really working within ServiceNow instead of the ERP system to do everything that they do because we can automate so many workflows inside of ServiceNow. And if you can put your team in a better position to, it's better to make a mistake in ServiceNow in terms of we're, we're processing orders, we're taking phone calls, we're doing a lot. And I'd rather have you make that mistake in ServiceNow, which could be uh, deleting an item from an order or whatever the case might be, then do it in the ERP system because that's the system of record. Right. And when you make a change there, it has ramifications across the business. Mm-hmm. If you can find a way to do it in service now, then it's just, I think it's just a better practice. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. You call me. I'm going to, I'm going to, what do I owe Jerry? I will. I might be, it's one of the first listeners who's actually screwed this up because I've been listening to your podcast, Jerry. Everybody's so clean on the jargon. <laughs> You're life saving. We want it all. We want it all. <laughs> Your kids. All right. Well, after the call, you tell me. You tell me what where I'm donating. Where I'm donating to. I'm 
happy to do it. Awesome. So as we wind this show down, uh, it's been great. First of all, man, it's always great connecting with you. And me and Matt have a, just a long going friendship. And I told Matt when we, we started working with me at a 7-Eleven, it was just like he motivated me, right? Because I had a peer that challenged my thought process and we challenged each other's thought process. And then it was so great to yeah. have that rivalry, but respect for each other. And yeah. um, that we propelled a lot of good, great stuff. So thank you, Matt, for A, being a peer, B, being a friend, and then, of course, joining us here at the Customer Connection. But as we wind this thing down, what's the biggest takeaway you hope our listeners uh, learn about ServiceNow implementations from your perspective? So a couple things almost as a recap is be thoughtful about the part, not just the partner you choose, but the partnership model that you choose to implement. Try and future-proof wherever you can during implementation because you don't know what you're going to need in a year. You might have a vision for what you're going to want for customer service management in the next six months or next 12 months, but this is a process where you're really automating workflows. It's not just about tracking cases. It's about improving the business. This is a business optimization. And so upfront, will you have the partnership when you've got the partners helping you bring in as much as you can, um, future-proof that business. And then I guess the only other, the only other piece of advice I would have is to try and find the most talented, uh, service now developers. We were able to do that. I have heard on some of your podcasts and doing some reading that um, it's not always easy to find the, the ServiceNow developers these days, but uh, not because they're not out there, but because everybody wants them, yeah. right? There is a huge demand. And so find at least one, doesn't matter how small the business is, because you don't want to stop. ServiceNow isn't, if you're going to implement ServiceNow and then you're going to stop there with an out-of-a-box solution, I would challenge you to say you you picked the wrong system. This is, that's not what ServiceNow is. ServiceNow is a system that you're supposed to continuously build on to continuously optimize your business. I would say have get get ready to bring that developer in to help you as the years go on to continue to optimize your business. So yeah. that's my advice, Jerry. That's awesome. And again, developers are so skilled and we just need to keep pushing with those people and they are out there. They're out there. <laughs> yeah, we found two. Um, they're amazing. Amazing. So, okay. So with that, we're going to, again, bring this to an end. And so if you would like, how can people get in touch with you, connect with you, either like your LinkedIn page or an email? What do you say about that? Yeah, just LinkedIn. And my extension on LinkedIn is Matt S. Wilson. Uh, you can reach out. I'm always happy to talk service now and implementation and customer experience. Because this is, like we said before, this is what motivates you. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Matt, for your uh, joining the show again. Thanks, Shana. You're always a great co-host. And if you have comments or questions for us or our guests, please email us at customerconnection, that's one word, customerconnection, at servicenow.com. Thank you, and have a great afternoon, evening, or day. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Shana. Thanks, Matt. It was a pleasure. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you for listening to the Customer Connection Podcast, where we provide implementation insights from the biggest ServiceNow customers, influencers, and partners. Please join us in our next episode as we will provide more expert insight and feature knowledge to help 
expedite your business value of your ServiceNow platform. This is your customer connection 